Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. We're here today to talk about one of the most exciting fixtures in recent history, I have to say, as Fulham take on Chelsea on Thursday night, Friday morning Australian time. Here to talk through the game with me is Sam. Sam, I know you've been excited for this one since it was cancelled back in September. How are you feeling? Yeah, I don't even really want to do intros that much. This is my FA Cup final. I have I have not been more excited about a game in a really, really long time. I hate Chelsea so, so <laughs> much. The audacity of that team just constantly. I've got a bunch of Chelsea friends as well, and I hate them so intensely just because they're in Chelsea fans. They're the most frustrating club to essentially be a rival of. They're on the ropes right now. It's all I want to talk about. I felt like I was robbed like a couple of weeks ago from that game that we missed because of like the Queen. I've not gotten over it. I am so intensely excited about this game. I'm also violently angry and hyped. Let's go. I'm in it. Let's go. Okay. So <laughs> I knew this was going to be a tough one. I'm going to earn all the money that I don't make from this podcast today by keeping you in line. Yeah. So, Sammy, obviously you missed our recap of the uh, the Hull game. Um, did you miss our recap of the Hull game? I listened to it. You listened to it. Sorry, <laughs> you listened to it. That's what I meant. You you weren't on the on the podcast, so just give me your quick thoughts after that game. It made it four straight wins for us. Um, how how are you feeling in general as a Fulham fan at the moment? Look, four straight wins and also coming off the bat of the games that we've had and then having a readjusted B team, if you will, go up against Hull. If that's our B team, I have uh, a lot more confidence than they did have. Uh, I thought it was kind of going to be more of a throwaway game, but Silver seemed to take that seriously. Hmm. And I actually really, really like that. Um, we'll get onto it in a little bit, but I'm I'm getting more and more interested and a bit more positive about our forward options when Mitrovic isn't there, just based off of the whole game. And I mean, any opportunity for Dad to struggle to say that Dan James had a good game was always going to be electric mm-hmm. listening for me. So. <laughs> Very true. So I guess uh, on the on the same sort of lines as well. So sum up the season so far. We're 18 games into the season, we're sitting seventh in the league, three points ahead of Chelsea. We're ahead of Brentford as well. We're only a handful of points off Europe. We're, we're really sitting pretty. How, how have you felt so far as as a season in whole? This has gone. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like it's it's like I've I've said it a bunch of times now. But we started this podcast because there was something special going on, and we wanted to talk about it. But like. My expectations have just been so superseded. I was thinking about it in the card the other day. Like, I just, I love, I love this team. Like, I, I love them so much. I can't think of a Fulham team that I've actually been, like, so emotionally invested in. In every, like, across the entire pitch at the moment. And, like, if I think of, like, when I play FIFA career mode, I usually, I've been playing the create your own club and I only play players that I'm invested in and care about, usually the ones with weird hair because I want to see them go far and develop. And, like, it's just been, I, I can't really remember since, like, maybe, like, 07, 06 kind of territory, like, Roy Hodgson loving a, a Fulham team as much as, like, I've loved this team and 
to think that literally if we beat Chelsea, we can actually um, be on the same amount of points as Liverpool. And like, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's unbelievable. I'm so happy. It's just such a, it's such a, cause like, you know what it's like being a Fulham fan. We're kind of plagued with this flip-flop territory and we're plagued with essentially like not having consistency and just to have it be like this, it just completely underscores what it's like to be a Fulham fan. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I think that was a good word you use there, consistency. Mm. Um, we, we've we seen it in the championship, obviously, in the, the times we've been promoted, but we haven't seen it in the Premier League for a very long time yeah. where we're beating the teams we should be beating and we're putting up good results against the the, the other teams, the, the top six. And um, uh, I think that's where this season lies at the moment in inconsistency where, like you said, we're sitting seventh. We're actually already level on points at Liverpool, um, we, you know, we're playing Chelsea and we're, we're obviously going to talk about it more, but we're going into this fixture that we'd often be hoping to get something out of, um, really genuinely believing that we, we're going to win this game, which is 10th place, Chelsea, exactly place, Chelsea. Like if there's one thing for Fulham to do well, but for Chelsea to be this terrible, it's, it's so heartwarming. So look, let's let's get on to Chelsea and actually talk about them, um, and then we can go into what we sort of see as a Fulham lineup. Um, obviously, Chelsea ravished with with injuries at the moment. Just having a quick look, um, it says there their injury list is in double figures. You got Mendy, Kante, Reese, James, Broha, Fafana, Pulisic, Sterling, Chilwell, Loftus Cheek, Aubameyang all potentially out of this game. I mean, that is a starting 11 that you would, you know, dream to have at Fulham, realistically. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, there's yeah. there's probably, you know, half a billion dollars worth of players that they've got out, which is Easily. just crazy. Um, yeah. So, you know, in September, we were gagging for it and really hoping that we play Chelsea and feeling like, oh, that, that was our opportunity to beat them. I think when... We were going to play them last time. They were fifth and we were maybe 10th or 12th. Mm. Now it's a completely different story where we're sitting seventh. They're sitting 10th. Uh, Graham Potter's, I think he's only won one out of his last 10 games or something ridiculous like that. Something, They've just been yeah. flogged by Man City. Um, tell me, looking at the Chelsea team and who they do have available, I, I mean, how, how do you see them getting anything out of this? So the thing that you got to remember about Chelsea, because my hate for them actually fuels quite a lot of interest in them. Um, uh, they they've got undeniably brilliant players. There's like you can't argue with that. You have Thiago Silva. You've got Koulibaly at the back as Pelaqueta, like um, uh, Kai Havertz, um, Mason Mount. Like these these are elite level players. Even even players like Kepa, which like. Cops a lot of flack. They're still in, like they would make Fulham's starting a level pretty yeah. easily, I think. Um, especially with the likes of Silver. But the thing is that's they've really struggled with, and uh, like the transition from uh, two called a Potter, um, it hasn't necessarily worked just purely because. At a, at a side like Chelsea, what you would hope for is these elite level players would actually be playing with the lesser known players and actually bringing them up. That was Graham Potter's expectation going into it. But 
genuinely because it is a team of superstars and it's one of those like elite level teams where they just chuck money at it these players just don't care also Jorginho as well Jorginho doesn't care no one is essentially trying to elevate um uh, the team that like if you compare us to them it's no comparison everyone is working for each other at Fulham at Chelsea no one's working for each other and they're really struggling with that and especially with injuries it's just inflated that even more because you have um Graham Potter trying to like start these younger players and as a result it's just not coming off and we know what Graham Potter's like as a professional coach because we've seen what he did with Brighton and elevating those younger players and it has not worked out at Chelsea. So I am salivating to play them. I'm salivating. Yeah, it's it's true. I I, I mean, when we were going to play Chelsea back in September, we were expecting the result to have a big impact on Thomas Tuchel, his future as manager. He's obviously been sacked since. Um, Graham Potter, with his recent results, do you think he might be in a similar boat where a loss against Fulham would lose him his job. Um, it's a it's a really interesting conversation because I mean, you and I both know that if you give Graham Potter five years at any club, through like even two or three, he's gonna come up with results and ele- like he could take Southampton tomorrow, which we ragged on a couple of weeks ago, and he could elevate them to be a top squad i genuinely believe that because he has proved that before and in other um divisions as well specifically the swedish but only if he has time only if he has time and chelsea is not not a club that you would do that but also the type of players that you would be getting at chelsea are completely different to the type of players that graham potter is used to developing keyword developing when you go to Chelsea, you're an established player and you have an ego and you have a kind of, um, you you have an opinion of yourself, which um, basically needs to have uh, coaches like Mourinho, like, um, uh, Christ, what's the name of a um, PSG coach, formerly Tottenham? Um, uh, oh gosh, now you've given me mind blanks as well. I know who you mean though. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh Pochettino Pochettino Pochettino, yeah yeah um you need you need these and obviously like Tuchel as well you need these managers who can essentially control those egos and he's just not that sort of manager so if you're like I I think he's been sold uh no we're going to give you five years and you're going to develop this Chelsea team into something else but with the way that it's going I have no idea because football is fickle and managers are even more fickle now well, I think uh, the big problem about taking over a team like Chelsea and any of those big six, big eight sides is you, you're you not given the time you're given at a place like Brighton where, you know, yeah. you can finish 17th and then you can finish 14th and then you can finish 10th and slowly climb your way up the league. With With a team like Chelsea, you need to be finishing top four minimum. And if you're outside that top four, they're not going to give you the time because half the season's already gone. If Chelsea have a second half of the season like they had a first, and even if they only slightly improved, they're not making even Europe at this grade. So yeah. it's it's going to be really interesting to see if they do stick with him after after these bad results. And if he can't get a result against Fulham, I think his job's going to be in, in serious peril. So yeah. sticking with Chelsea, Sammy, 
Um, where do you see Chelsea, the, the biggest danger to Fulham from Chelsea? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, look, I mean, Koulibaly and Silva, uh, I mean, if we'll get onto it a bit later, but if Vinicius has to deal with that, that is that is a challenging day for the best strikers in the world because, I mean, like, make no mistake about it, I'm going to be largely critical of Chelsea, but these are still elite-level players and them playing half-assed is still going to be um, them going to be playing half hours is probably going to be like Tim Ream at 80%. God bless him. I love Tim Ream, but like, it just kind of is what it is. These guys can just turn it on without really caring too much. Um, where Chelsea's really going to be lacking is like their attack and their mid. I think their defense is relatively strong. The only um kind of key fault would be they've lost that uh, attacking cutting edge that like, Reese James would typically provide, or even Ben Chilwell. They have lost that in their arsenal, but um, I don't think that that was going to be that much of an issue for us, but I think largely our issue is probably going to be breaking through. Well, you're likely to see, like you said, Koulibaly and Silva starting in the middle. Obviously, you don't have Mendy, who's been superb in goal for them so far. So you're going to have mm. Kepa, who is a good keeper, but he is prone to mistakes. Um we talk he's about still a, he's still a very good keeper like he has he has been plagued with that um uh, what you call it he has been plagued with that um stigma but um i think uh they have created pretty healthy competition between the two like kepper and mendy because i mean at the start of the season it kind of wasn't really decided i mean it was kind of undeniable last season mendy was out and out just starting goalkeeper but this season it has been a little bit of a it's not clearly defined which one is better yeah i i'd say the 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 big issue that i can see defensively at least for chelsea is missing reese james and ben chilwell um is a blow in itself but the fact that your backups for them as is probably going to start at right back and cucurella who obviously co- i think he cost them 60 million from brighton 63 and he just hasn't been hasn't been on. Mm. Um, so so I, I think Reese James and Chilwell created a lot of chances from the back. That's where a lot of their creativity came from originally, and they're not going to have that, which is going to make a big difference. Kovacic and Zakaria are probably going to start in the centre of midfield. I don't think either of them are having the best season, mm. uh, and they're not the most creative players either. They're, they're quite defensive-minded. And Jorginho ahead of them, like you said before, he, he hasn't really seemed himself. Yeah. And then a front three of Ziyech, Havertz, and Mount. I mean, they we know that they're good players, but they're not they're not prolific goal scorers. And looking at the table, the fact that Chelsea have actually this season only scored twenty goals mm. in comparison, Fulham have scored thirty. Um, it's kind of crazy. I mean, you look at Leeds United have scored more goals than Chelsea. Only oh, a handful of teams at the bottom of the table have scored less goals than Chelsea this year. Mm. That that's definitely where their downfall is and where where their issues lie. And I, I think with the way our defense has been playing this year and blokes like Kenny Tete being so good one on one, he he should hopefully be able to um close down someone like Ziyech or Havertz or Mount on the wing. Robinson having a good season and then whoever gets selected at centre backs, if it's Tosin, Diop or Reem, I, I feel like pretty confident we're not coming up against, you know, and Aubameyang in crazy form or yeah. um, 
or you know, I, it feels a little bit a, a little bit more like we we actually really do have a chance because the biggest issue I think we've had previously when we come up against teams like Chelsea is their strikers are so good that you know that you give them half a chance a couple of times in a game and you you're going a couple of goals down. It just doesn't feel like that at the moment. Doesn't feel like they're going to be scoring loads of goals. And so if you can keep them to no goals, we're a really good chance of getting a win, even without Mitro. Mm. I mean, I'm not sure how you feel about it, but I think mentality um, in a team is a really, really, really powerful asset. Um, mm. Again, I'm going to keep beating up the boys. We're seeing it um, at Fulham at this stage where like the um, offcuts of other teams have come together and are actually creating something extremely like powerful in the side. And there is an energy when you go forward, or sorry, when we're going forward, that is arguably only replicated by the top sides for me. Um, I Chelsea haven't had that for a really, really long time um, this season, but also I'd argue last season as well. They've kind of really, they've, I mean, they've been hurt with um, everything that happened with Roman, Roman, Abram- Roman Abramovich. That is a big part of their identity. And just like the Chelsea of old is not the Chelsea of new. And they have the stigma of essentially being a very soulless club. So really the only incentive to be playing for them is money. I mean, we can kind of mm. evidently yeah, of see that with people like Obama Yang, who's essential and Sterling as well. You could argue like there's, there's, there's very little players at Chelsea. I probably as Piliqueta is the only one that really springs to mind that I kind of go, you are an out and out Chelsea boy and you're going to give everything. If I look at this team, like, you could maybe make an argument for Kai Havertz, but honestly, from everything that I've seen from Kai Havertz, he's just a brilliant player. I don't think he cares all that much about Chelsea. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. And, and I think a big part um, that will be played as well is the fact that they, they are in such poor form at the moment, and that has a massive effect on, um, on the dressing room. You know, mm. the, these guys are getting smashed in the press at the moment, and quite rightly as well, because they're, they're really underperforming. Just having a look at their league form, uh, last eight games, they've won one game, which was 2-0 against Bournemouth, and Bournemouth are poor. Admittedly, yeah. they've had some tough games in there. They've had two, but they drew 0-0 with Brentford. They drew one all with Man United, lost 4-1 to Brighton. That's a terrible result for them. Mm. Lost 1-0 to Arsenal, fair enough. 1-0 to Newcastle. You'd hope that they'd get a win against Newcastle because you you should be challenging them. They're obviously having a good season. Beat Bournemouth, that's a nothing result. Drew one all with Forest, that's terrible, and lost one nil to City. Like they they have had a handful of hard fixtures in there, but it, it does work in our favour because they're they're going to be you know they're going to be hurting after that. Um, oh yeah, and, and the you're... press is all over them at the moment, so hmm. they're they're not going to be feeling good about themselves and wanting to come back and you know have a really good performance against us. They're there's there's so much pressure on them to get something out of it. There's not much pressure on Fulham here because really we're not expected to win the game. Yeah. Um, but if you look at it statistically, we probably are expected to win the game. At, at the moment, I'd say so. And like just following on your point as well, when you've got players like Con- like Connor Gallagher, I think he's a really good example, coming off like a really good season at Crystal Palace when he was essentially just trying to like prove, prove, prove himself. And there's kind of come back to Chelsea with a, a kick in his step, he's got a couple of England caps underneath his belt, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm coming to play." 
And then when you're playing in a side where you're playing opposite like Georgina, for example, and it's so evident that if you go like one nil down, for example, you're not lifting at all. And no one in the side is essentially creating a buzz to kind of create something. What does that do to that younger player that in theory should be the future and wanting to essentially kind of create, like be part of that kind of, push for something if all of your young players are seeing that as your example you're not really giving them that much incentive in the same way that we probably incentivize um carvalho last year because Uh would carvalho have been the same player last year if he was playing for i don't know like huddersfield and essentially barely ever getting that much of the ball because he was just getting smashed left right and center i'd probably argue not yeah i think that's that's a fair call um so, Sammy, how old were you in 2006? I would have been 13. And correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like I actually watched this game because I have a distinct memory of watching it at Eric Street on the projector. <laughs> um, and uh, I believe, I don't, but I, I, I'd be hard pressed to remember who scored, but. I remember definitively watching us beat Chelsea. And in my brain, I was like, oh, this is great because we just beat Chelsea. They might beat us next season, but we'll probably beat them the other season. But that's great. I got to see Chelsea win in a kind of like, oh, I have no idea how the world works kind of way. I didn't think that that was going to be the last time ever because you got to remember that my introduction to Fulham, I was actually quite spoiled in terms of my what my expectation probably should have been. True. Well, so... The, the man who stands next to Marco Silva was a scorer on that day. Fulham yeah, won. Morte. Yep, Fulham won, Chelsea nil. Uh, back in March 2016. Uh, sorry, not 2016, March 2006. It's actually the uh, only time since 1979 that Fulham have beaten Chelsea, which is Are kind of crazy serious? to look at. <clears throat> the last 30 games head-to-head, um, Fulham have one win. Chelsea have... 19 wins and there have been 10 draws it's very very one-sided this fixture but this really does feel like a time when um fulham should be hoping to get a win the last uh seven games in the premier league chelsea have won fulham have only scored uh two goals in those last seven games right veering off veering off from this do you have many chelsea mates oh sorry Uh, do you have any mates who support chelsea i try and steer clear of them so not really (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so I've probably got got about three, and I I get so infuriated every time I speak to them because they kind of do this really annoying thing where they're like, "Oh, I actually quite like Fulham as a squad. I really like what they're doing." And I always go, "No, you're supposed to hate us because we hate you so much." And it's very much that kind of um, Germany doesn't care about England thing, um, and because they care more about playing Holland and. It infuriates me to no end because we are their closest rivals. We're literally down the road. Like, didn't they only? Don't they only exist because we wanted to, or like somebody wanted to essentially give us like another another stadium, and we said we didn't want it. There's something like that. We we almost merged with them, I think, many 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 years ago. But uh, I I guess I, I do understand it with with Chelsea because um, you know. We we did spend oh, probably 20, 25, maybe even 30 years uh, in a completely different league. If you actually look at the the historical fixtures, 
Between 1985 and 2001, Fulham and Chelsea did not play. So for, for 16 years, Fulham didn't play their closest closest neighbours and their closest neighbours, sorry, and therefore closest rivals. So um, it, it's understandable, especially during that little period, Chelsea went through quite a good period in the, the late 90s, mid to late 90s, where they won a few cups and, you know, Fulham were struggling away in the third division. So it's not overly surprising that they don't see us as a huge rival. I think coming coming to this period in time, I think they are going to start seeing Fulham as a bit more of a rival because I think we're going to start actually giving them some some better competition and some better games. Well, they uh, better because I'm sick of it. I'm sick of the audacity from them. Well, I, I think now's the time that that we're going to actually make it make it happen and and make a few changes to to the narrative. Um, so, uh, moving away from Chelsea now, let's talk about Fulham. Um, Sammy, how do you see Fulham lining up? There's a few things to talk about. Actually, before we do that, Sammy, let's go to a quick break, yeah. and uh, when we come back, we can discuss the Fulham lineup. All right, Sammy, back to it. Let's talk about Fulham and how we're going to line up in this game. It's obviously uh, a, a very big one for us and how, how we select the team is very important here. Uh, what do you see happening? How do you see us lining up? Why don't you walk me through from back to front? I assume you're going to start with the man you made the song about. Yeah, I mean, that's that's undeniable. I'd go um, uh, Leno. I mean, yes, the, the, back, the back four that we've kind of come to love. So we'd go Leno... I'm putting uh, D up in Ream, uh, Robinson, uh, Christ, who's the other one? Jesus. Tete. Uh, Tete. Jesus, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, Tosin, that's standard. Tosin for you drops back down to the bench. Yeah, I love Tosin, but you know what? I, I like the idea of having depth in a squad, and if we need to bring Tosin on with fresh legs, I, I, I think that's absolutely fine. I like the narrative of like who's um, better for me, like uh, – Tosin or Diop, I literally just see it as we just have good, healthy competition for a mm. position, and I think that's good for the squad. I don't really think it um, speaks uh, volumes to one and kind of uh, devalues the other. I think they're both incredible assets to the team that we have at the moment. Um, so then Sima- middle of the park, what do we got? Same again? Yeah, same again. Just just the boys. So Bellina, Reed, Pereira, the good stuff. Uh, I mean, that's a secret source. We do need to get some depth there, but like that is a secret source that like it's, it's, um, it's like, uh, what's it called? It's like Big Mac sauce. It just works. Um, so the big one, I guess we're talking about then the front three, who, who are you going with? Let's start with the, the left wing, which is probably the most obvious one. We're yeah. sticking with the the ex Chelsea man himself. Yeah, he knows how to score against them, so like that's that's a no brainer for me. And obviously, his link up play with um, Robinson for me is just second to none at the moment. Um, okay, here's where it gets really hairy for me, um, because in an ideal world, in an ideal world, one thing that I would almost be more interested in seeing is um, I, I I feel that the Vinicius experiment hasn't worked. But I do appreciate the fact that um, uh, we've been playing in a certain way when Mitrovic isn't there. So we kind of default have to stick 
with Vinicius because he can't really fully change it up. But um, in almost like a, a he who shall not be named Scott Parker move, I mean, like somebody like BDR, I would almost really like to see up there. And from everything that I saw from Solomon, I'd love to see what Solomon could potentially do up front just be, just for ball control alone if you can't be the power forward that Mitrovic is. With all that being said, though, um, I think you have to stick with Vinicius just because we have practiced that to an extent and everybody kind of knows what that system is because there's no point in um, uh, pulling a Hail, Hail Mary for a game that people care about this much. I think you're probably right there, and I'd actually almost exactly say what you said, where <clears throat> I think if you want to be a little bit tricky and think of uh, doing it a little bit differently, I think you'd go Willian on the left, probably right with BDR up front, and maybe Solomon on, and Solomon on the right wing. Well, he's our second highest scorer with four goals, which is... yeah. As many goals as Kai Havertz has scored this season, and he's Chelsea's top goal scorer. Mm. Um, so I don't think that's the worst call. The one thing I would say, though, I, I don't know if you follow these guys on social media at all. The there's a real love with Vinicius, Willian, and Pereira. They really love each other. They're constantly filming each other on Instagram. They're they're really a, quite a tight knit unit. I think if you don't play. It's kind of like the situation we've got with Mbabu at the moment. Uh, if there's a gap in the striker position and you don't play the backup striker, it sends a message yeah, and it could cause yeah. a bit of unrest. Yeah. I, I think even if he's not working, um, you still have, you kind of have to do it because if you play Deckard over Reed at centre forward, Vinicius goes, well, aren't I the backup centre forward? Why am I not playing? Yeah, no, no, I agree. And look, let's make no um, mistakes about it. I want a second backup striker just because, like, I feel like it's not working. I was thinking about this again in the car the other day, and I really wanted to bring it up with you and Dad. But I feel that we've brought Vinicius in to essentially play a um, uh, a, a diet version of Mitrovic. And I understand that because it's, it's kind of still keeps the boys like in keeping with the game that they've been playing previously. But I do think it would make way more sense at this point in the season for us to really start exploring a different type of striker and a different type of system when we actually... Um, when Mitrovic can't play because the diet Mitrovic option isn't working. And if you compare um, it to a lot of other teams that have um, different options in terms of strikers, Man City is probably the best one. You have um, the way that they play with Haaland and then the way that they play with Alvarez. And they both actually work equally well. I know that's a bit of like um, a hyperbolic comparison, but in my mind, I feel that we should really start exploring maybe a more zippier person up front, maybe even Vin, Vin, pull his hair out, but maybe even exploring um, Dan James up front and kind of at least exploring what that option could be. I know they have kind of attempted to do it, but actually orchestrating and planning ahead for that, I feel that that's something that Silva should really, really do. So when we're in situations like when right now 
I I understand the point of sending the message to Vinicius, but I I mean, yeah, like think think about like how we would play if the boys knew how to work with say like a man like Solomon golf run. I know we're speaking very kind of like if and when, but but I mean, and Silver's a much better man manager than I'll ever be, as much as I'd like to think that I could give him a run. But like I feel like that's I feel like that should be something that we should be exploring now. Yeah, look, I, I think one thing you have to remember is the quality of the Man City players allows them to be able to play multiple different styles of football. I think the fact... Absolutely. The reason we've been so successful is because we're really good at our style of football. And I, I just think we need to find a striker who fits into our style. And, and it's tough to find someone who does because there aren't many big men who are very good in the air, but also fairly good with their feet, really good hold-up play, because um, the really good ones are, are worth a fortune, and the really the the younger ones who are more affordable are a little bit more rough and ready and therefore don't have the abilities that someone like Mitro does have. So it's always going to be tough to actually mm. get the perfect player, because I don't think they actually exist, because Mitro is the perfect player for our system. But, and I and I don't think it's realistic yeah. to try and get our guys to learn how to play a different way to suit a fast, nippy striker. I, I agree. I would love to have someone like a Dan, a Dan James-esque fast player up who plays through the middle who and we completely adapt to the way we play. What that would mean, though, is probably doing things like dropping Harrison Reed for Tom Kearney, who can play the balls through. And maybe, yeah, that's very true. maybe then you don't play someone like Robinson because you can't afford to have him streaming forward because we commit too many people forward because we're playing in that sort of style. And so it, it completely changes the way we play. It would change our team selection as well, I think. And as much as I would love to, I don't think we have the squad depth to do that. And I don't think we've got the the ability to do that. We've got really good players and we're building around Polina in that central midfield position just marshalling the whole defence, a really tight defensive four, a great player up front who just receives brilliant crosses from uh, Willian, from uh, Deckard Overeed, from Cabano when he was playing, and hopefully from Solomon and Wilson as well. And that's our style, mm. and that's what we need to sort of commit to and pull in players who fit in that style, and that's how we're going to be successful. I 100% mm. agree with so you. I just I just don't know how realistic it is as as an option. It's definitely not necessarily the most realistic. It's really just what I would like to happen. But anyway, oh. getting back to your original question, I, it's it's got to be Vinicius, and um, I'm I'm putting I'm putting Bobby on the right and mm. uh, Wilson with a backup because I still believe in Harry Wilson and I want the best for him. Um, it Vinicius is going to be my biggest concern, and genuinely, I don't expect a goal from him, but I just hope that he can essentially withstand it. Because he, I, I, I'm not expecting him to play goal, uh, like um, create goal opportunities or even score anything. But I just essentially want him to be able to hold up play. I mean, like honestly, I feel that we're just going to have to almost play like a bit of a false nine situation and um, leave it to the uh, the yeah, boys on the wing. Potentially, potentially, uh, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I, I, I've seen glimpses from Vinicius that makes me like him. Uh, I think we can make something make something happen and make it work. It's just going to be interesting to see how we do that and if we can get the most out of him. If he has, he could easily have a blinder in the best game he's played in a Fulham shirt 
because of the atmosphere that I'm sure is going to be at Craven Cottage and oh, the fact that the guys are going to be really up and about for it. He's got a great set of people around him. Like, you know, he played um, uh, he played in the FA Cup game, but he had Deckard over Reed at right back. He had a scratchy Wilson playing on the wing for him and he had Dan James playing who did have a good game, but... I just think this is set up for him to be a lot more successful and I'm hopeful that the occasion, he, he rises to the occasion. And luckily as well, this is why like his, which is actually really good to hear, but it's probably like his sixth start or fifth start. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure how many starts he's had for us. But like if you compare it to like, well, what was the game that he had to come on for? Was it like, New, was it Newcastle? There was a game where like he had to come on uh, well, like, he kind of like was forced into playing and everyone kind of took like a bit of a deep breath because God bless him. He was a little bit out of his depth. And again, that kind of happened in um, the Man City game as well, where essentially he he had a lot of expectations and not a lot of preparation. Um, at least now he's at least found a little bit more footing. He's had a, a bit more game time under his belt. So I'm really hoping that that could mean something at least yeah he's, he's made 10 appearances for us in total uh only three of them have been as starts mm. um and you know he had pretty tough games he started now i think he started in the man united and man city games yeah um so he wasn't expected to do massive things then and, and i think the other game from memory would have been the west ham game oh uh, yeah i think that's what i'm thinking of yeah uh so Look, I, I think the scene is set for him to score score his first goal for the club. What a what a day it would be if Vinicius starts up front and, and actually scores against Chelsea to to win the game. Um, he, has, I, he scored a preseason, didn't he? Against um, can't remember who it was. He he scored in the in the World Cup break in a game against West Ham. Yeah, yeah, um, I saw that. Yeah, it, it. I'm I'm hopeful that he gets uh, his first competitive goal at least for us. Mm. Um. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens, and I would like to see Solomon play a part. I th- I think he really looked impressive when he came on, and it will be like will be like having a new signing because obviously he's he's made a handful of little appearances for us so far, but really he I he hasn't started a game yet. So I I'd, I'd say that's my little smoky that it wouldn't surprise me if Marco Silva threw him in and just said, look, run run your heart out for sixty minutes. We're not expecting you to play the full game at all. So see what happens. Um, I really like the look of Solomon. I really, really like what he can potentially bring. I think I've seen a, like a couple of glimpses and I'm like, if that's what he looks like underconfident and kind of like straight off of like an injury, then I I don't have high expectations, but I'm like this, he could be something. He could be something that I could be very excited about. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we know he can do it. He's done it previously for all the other clubs he's played for. He's always impressed for his country as well. So uh, I'm crossing my fingers. It's He's only 23, still a young bloke as well. So, oh, yeah, um, yeah it'd, be, it'd be really interesting to see how we do line up and if Marco Silva does make any big changes like that to, to the lineup. So we'll wait and see for that. Sammy, we're going to finish off here. I want your prediction. What are we thinking? Remember, um, you have to live with this with all your Chelsea mates if you get this wrong. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> I'm 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 genuinely trying to be like as analytical about it as I can. 
I'm going to say, I mean, I'm backing my boys. I'm going to, I like, I'm going to say two, one Fulham. I think, I think that actually is going to be what the game is. And I'm just, I'm just hoping that we see a scrap. I'm hoping that we see blood. I'm hoping that like, there's like 50 red cards, if there can possibly be it. Like I, I, I really, I, do you know what I really hope? I just want the boys to just go all out and, because we we can sit here and be like, I hope that Palina and um, Pereira and like obviously Reed will, but I really hope that like the new boys essentially get it what this game actually means to the fans, and I just really hope that of all the games that we play this season, they just really give it absolutely everything, and I I hope that they will. I think that they will. I'll be devastated if they don't. But like I. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really on the edge of my seat. I'm probably gonna shit myself really, really hard because it's gonna be early in the morning as well. And Sam does not have a good gut in the morning, but you know what? I don't care. Like I am oh, I'm just I'm just I'm just gagging to see this game. I'm just gagging to see what the scrap is. I wanna see I wanna see Paulina kill somebody. Like <laughs> and I I I just hope that that's what I see. It's that it's Oh, it's like seeing Avatar or something like that for like the first time. It's like you have you have these wants for what you want it to be, and you hope it's going to be that, but you just don't know. And if it's just uh, if it's like a, I'm I'm okay with if it's a draw, provided that like literally I just see everyone get stitches. Like that's that'll <laughs> that'll be enough for me. That'll so be you're, you're out for blood, basically. I'm out for blood. I want like blood, sweat, and tears. I want like. I want um I want the boys to be crying if like they draw. I want the full on jeopardy. I want I want it to feel like I want it to feel like judgment day at the cottage, and I think it will. And I just really hope that the boys just just feel it and just get in there and just oh just do it. I just want to see them do it. Oh look, I think I think they will. I think it's it's almost impossible not to get up for. A, a derby game I, I think it's you know all these guys have played football at different clubs before they understand the importance of derbies this one has an extra feel to it because of the fact that Fulham and Fulham are not expected to be above Chelsea this year and they are and we have the potential to put points on them and push for Europe because a win here puts us in serious Europe contention and add to that the fact that we're also playing Chelsea in a couple of weeks time again um yeah, that okay. So like, it's uh, it's a it's a bit of kind of like you never forget your first. It's a bit of kind of like your first crush always kind of like lingers in the back of your head. So like, even though it's not the perfect circumstances, and then like the the next time we play Chelsea, it will be the perfect circumstances because it'll be away with Mitrovic. I'm assuming like that is everything. But it's like I just want to see this game. I really, really want to see this game. Honestly, if we can beat Chelsea twice, I'm probably going to get a full tattoo. You've got, you've heard it on the podcast. I don't care if it makes mum cry. I, yeah, yeah. Locking that one in. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. I, I think uh, I echo your prediction. I, I uh, It's either going to be 1-0 Fulham or 2-1 Fulham. Yeah. Um, I... Oh, if it's 1-0, I'm going to have an aneurysm. Like, I'm actually going to be so stressed if it's 1-0 because that's just... That's, oh. It's going to burn a hole in my brain. I think I think we're more than good enough to beat them, and so I, I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing this game. Like you've echoed many times, I, I think this is going to be an absolute ripper, and so yeah, I, I can't wait to see how this one pans out. So, Zami, 
thank you very much for your time today. It was very enjoyable hearing you spurt about Chelsea and tell me how much you hate them and how Fulham are going to win this one. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a struggle, uh, a struggle for me to get up at 4am for the game, but I think I'm going to have to. Uh, mm. I assume you're going to be getting yourself up. It's a not too bad 7am kickoff for you. So it's actually kind of around about the time that like I'm at work ish kind of thing. I think it's like a 6am. I think it's 6am. Uh, 7. It's a 4am 4, 4 in Perth kickoff. So it's a 7am in Melbourne. Okay. All right. I'll have, I'll, I'll have to see how that tracks out. It should, yeah, it should be fine by the time that I start work. But anyway, besides all of that, <laughs> besides all of that, this, okay. And like, if anyone is listening who will be at the cottage, because we cannot be just go mental if any of the boys are listening palinia mitro anyone's listening okay just if you don't want to do it for your children or yourself just do it for me because i hate them <laughs> so much and for years i've had to endure the smugness of oh yeah i'd like to see fulham win one day against us they probably deserve it from fucking chelsea fans bleep me i don't care i hate this team so much and i love these boys so much and i am oh i'm gonna have heart palpitations but i want to see this game so badly and i hope three people die and uh, play us out good job sammy (laughs) thank you very much for joining me today and i'll finish off by saying come on you whites